The 2023 season is now upon us. We've got Thursday night football. We've got Sunday football. The San Francisco 49ers taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Nick Bosa signed. What do the 49ers have to do, aside from playing Nick Bosa a little bit, to beat those Pittsburgh Steelers in weeks one coming up? Week one coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown 49ers. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks everybody so much for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Big ups to all the everydayers out there. We appreciate you. We love you. If you want to be an everydayer, it's super easy. All you do is just subscribe on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts today's episode of lockdown 49ers is brought to you by price picks the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports go to prizepickscom slash locked on nfl and use code all lowercase locked on nfl for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars all right we see the folks populating the chat already on this live episode as we end the week and get ready for 49ers football a little pregame for the kickoff of the NFL season with the Lions and the Chiefs the Chiefs have some injuries man the, the Chiefs aren't going into this season I know they they're putting on rings and things right now uh in Kansas City but uh, they're not going into the season super healthy the 49ers are going into the season in a much better shape croc and the the two biggest reasons the two biggest things that have been kind of clouding the san francisco 49ers all offseason is what's going to go on with new franchise quarterback brock purdy and his elbow surgery coming back and all of a sudden beginning of training camp is like okay that's a big hurdle 49ers got over that one all gravy right ah not so much nick bosa's not in camp right now then nick bosa holdout goes all the way into the final week before the season. Then on Wednesday, we get word that Nick Bosa has signed with those San Francisco 49ers. And now the team is complete and ready to go. Let's talk Nick Bosa contract because we didn't get into it much yesterday. It happened late. We actually had to re-record the first part of our crossover podcast with locked on Steelers host, Chris Carter, which is always fun. I'm, I'm pumped for a new season of crossovers and it's always uh, a blast talking to all the hosts from the other networks. Uh, Croc, there's a there's a few points here with the with the Bosa thing. One is how much is he going to play? But first, I just want to talk about the contract itself. Does it feel like the 49ers caved a little bit here with this one? Going to 34 mil per year, going with all the guarantees. It was the biggest contract in in uh, for any non quarterback. It's actually I think top 15 or something. It's right around the Kirk Cousins contract. If you were talking about quarterback contracts, so Nick Bosa got a lot of money. Do you think the 49ers caved just because they realized that there was a little bit of a, a weird vibe and a weird cloud over the 49ers to begin the season? And they're like, you know what, man, we're going to go higher than what we budgeted because we got to get this thing done and get the vibes right before the season starts. Well, I heard Adam Schefter on the – gosh, what's his name? Why am, why am I blanking on his name right now? Uh, you just played with Pat McAfee. All right, I heard him on the Pat McAfee show, and he was talking about how – I don't know. The way he worded it was that it was almost like Bosa caved. So I don't know exactly what Bosa was asking for, but it was one of those things where earlier that day they were far apart from each other. And Kyle was getting ready for his press conference he was about to do. 
And he was getting prepped by the PR department on how to answer questions about Nick Bosa because they weren't close at all. And then all of a sudden, Nick Bosa signed. And Kyle wasn't even aware that that was something that was about to happen. So it seemed like if that's truly the case, then Bosa caved. And the way that Schefter made it sound was that Bosa just was like, all right, look, enough of this. I want to be there with my teammates. So I know we're going to pay a lot of attention to the overall number and $34 million a year. But the most important thing, you know, for any contract is really your guaranteed amount of money. And I wonder if he actually wanted more guaranteed, but settled for maybe a couple million dollars less guaranteed per year. And that could have been maybe the difference. Yeah, that's it's. Clearly, the 49ers ended up, I think, paying more than they budgeted for. But I wonder what the original ask was for Nick Bosa. And clearly, they're far enough apart to where this thing went as deep as it did and almost went into the season. Because I think for I think for the most part, most fans, if you're just like taking the pulse of most fans throughout the whole process, they're like, I don't care how much he's asking for. Give him everything. But yeah. then if you're like, well, they're already offering whatever, $32 million, more than Aaron Donald money, more than – uh, Joey Bosa's total for five years, right? So you're giving him the most that any other non-quarterback's ever gotten in average per year, total dollars and guarantees. And that's already the offer for the 49ers, is he? And he hasn't accepted it. I think most 49ers fans would be like, "Oh, you know what? I, I guess I I'm okay with where the 49ers are on this." And maybe Bosa is the bad guy too. So I think this actually, if you're right about that, and if Schefter is right about that, and that Bosa actually came down a bit. Um, it's actually still more than I think most people thought he was going to get. And so Bosa, in a lot of ways, kept himself from being the bad guy, if that's the case, right? I think maybe what he was doing was anticipating the contract kind of going up. So we always know the next guy is going to be the highest paid at that position. And maybe what he was trying to do was set the market so high that even – Though, you know, the guys that follow behind them, the the Parsons or whatever, maybe they don't get quite as much or they kind of get right around where he is as opposed to getting millions of dollars more as the cap goes up as well each year. So uh, maybe that's what the difference is. And the 49ers are like, what? You know, we don't do that. You know, we're not going to cave to your demands, but clearly somebody did cave. Uh, We we got a question in the chat. Did Locked On 49ers duo coordinate the fits? I guess – Cross got black on black. I got blue on blue. Um, it was not coordinated. Yeah, no. We we do not coordinate our outfits as much as we might look like we do because our stuff's tight, right? Crocker? I was thinking about uh, growing out the peacock beard. So. <laughs> well, look, um, that's like saying I'm going to grow the the Nick Bosa six pack. You know, what I mean, okay. there's some, there's some genetics there, Croc. So <laughs> it, it might take some time and some uh, some true effort maybe more than you're willing to give to get this going on because this this doesn't just happen by accident i had the beard early in the show for like a year straight long beard too uh eventually i'll grow it back no shave november the beard is coming back my oh, wife gets on me all the time about it my, my daughter though she likes the clean shave so that's something to look forward to uh but so on the vibes point croc the vibes have clearly changed right uh, I've said this for a while about the 49ers season. It just felt super weird going into the year. I, I'm not the only one that said that, but the thing that would really flip it back the other way is getting Bosa signed and coming back from Pittsburgh with a win. Like all of a sudden, boom, everything is different at that point. If those things happen, 
A, has already happened, can B, happen now going into Pittsburgh on the road. This is a good team. This is a physical football team. It's not the easiest place to play. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers have played their starters as much as anybody in the preseason. So they're, this is going to be a prepared team ready to play that is going to meet the 49ers intensity in week one going on the road and getting a W as much as you might think the 49ers are a better football team. And I think the 49ers are a better team. It's not that easy in the NFL to just walk in and go snatch W's everywhere you go. You talked about the preparation that goes into this game and especially for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, we know this is a team that they win a lot of games and uh, under Mike Tomlin, they haven't had a losing season. They, they had an eight and eight season. And I think you can contribute that season to, having Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges at the quarterback position. But Mike Tomlin is always going to have this team ready, especially to start the season, especially when they're really at kind of the full health part of it. You know, the 49ers, I feel like they're kind of going into this game banged up. And maybe it's over-exaggerated in the media, but seeing reports on guys like Traverius Ward, you know, he was a guy that did not participate. Hufunga, for whatever, he's been going through some things. I know it said something personal as to why he didn't participate in today's practice. But George Kittle, you're finally getting him back. He had to take off all the last week and ease his way into this year, then, or this week. And then, as we already talked about with Nick Bosa, not injured, but you want to keep him from being injured. So you have to kind of ramp him up and, you know, really monitor what he does in practice. So uh, the 49ers are a team who are going to have a, guy, a lot of guys available, but it does feel like they're not as healthy as they possibly could be. But, you know, once you get on the field, I already know what's going to happen, man. Game day is going to come. They're going to get that shot in the back of the buttocks, yeah. and uh, they're going to be ready to go. Yeah, yeah. those guys are like, oh, man, are they going to play? And all, all of a sudden, miraculously, hey, they feel great on Sunday morning and they're going to go out there and they're going to play. So, you know, it's, it's actually a, a true injury if they're not out there on the field Sunday. Okay. More on the injury report next. And a very interesting one about a star wide receiver that wanted to join the San Francisco 49ers and the Niners said, uh, no, thank you. So Deandre Hopkins. And of course, keys to victory, how to be beat those Pittsburgh Steelers next. Today's episode of locked on 49ers is brought to you by Nutrafol. You don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible, visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated, natural science-backed ingredients. Again, let me repeat that. Physician-formulated, natural science-backed ingredients. Drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health, which can be some um, disastrous for some people, side effects with certain other Drugs. So go to Nutrafol.com slash man to take their health wellness quiz. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash man and enter promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men. That's Nutrafol spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L 
dot com slash men and enter promo code locked on NFL. That's neutrafol.com slash men promo code locked on NFL. This is one I did not expect, Croc. And I guess it makes sense from any star player is going to want to check in with the best teams in the NFL. And the 49ers are one of the best teams in the NFL. But DeAndre Hopkins checked in with uh, a, f- a handful of teams, and it's, it's not a huge list of teams. Um, according to what he told GQ Magazine in an interview recently, DeAndre Hopkins and his agent reached out to the New York Giants, the Detroit Lions, the Dallas Cowboys, and San Francisco 49ers during his free agency because they were on his list. And he didn't get a call back from any of them. Do you think the 49ers should have called back DeAndre and said, hey, man, what are you asking? Because if it's uh, if we can fit you in, you know, maybe we've got another another weapon at our disposal on offense. He goes on to say he's very grateful and, and loves where he's at with the Tennessee Titans. But uh, the 49ers weren't the only team to and not even to call him back. Croc, is that disrespectful to a guy who's as good as DeAndre Hopkins? No, DeAndre Hopkins have put out there that you know, the, the kind of team that he wanted to play for. It was a team that had a good defense. It was a team that had a quarterback that was a leader. It was a team that uh, had some uh, continuity in the front office. And I think the 49ers check off everything on that list. And that was why he was like, you know what, this is a team that I potentially would really like to be a part of, especially with knowing the 49ers are potentially going to be contenders in the NFC. Uh, my problem with it is one, and I actually saw this on, I saw this report on social media. It was uh, one of the 49ers uh, blogs on Instagram. And I'm reading that the kind of the, the context of that, the 49ers did not call him back at all, right? He didn't hear back from them at all. And then I'm reading the comments. And I didn't know which one was worse. John Lynch just ignoring him completely and not even picking up the phone and doing his due diligence as he usually says he does or the fan base to be arrogant enough to think that a guy like Dr. Hawkins just could not help. Them. It was one of the wildest things that I've seen on social media. And they're talking as if DeAndre Hawkins is just this bum. Now, if you want to say that maybe he's priced out of the 49ers range, which clearly we end up seeing he got a bunch of money. I mean, it was like $13 million a year. That's pretty good for I mean, that's really good for him. Uh, at this stage and where he's at in his career, that, that's one thing. But to not even like call and find out. And then the fans say, oh, he's washed up. It's like, dude, you guys love Jawan Jennings, a dude that is pretty much a move tight end who runs quick outs most of the time and caught 25 passes last year. And you're so arrogant that you think, well, we don't need a guy like DeAndre Hopkins and what he could bring to the team in the areas he could work. And in nine games, he caught like 70 passes for 700 yards doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I think he's a very talented guy still. If there is any knock on where he's at right now, it's more so about the injuries. Back-to-back years, he hasn't played more than 10 games. You know, that is what's the most concerning part to me. You know, are there fluke injuries? Is there something else that's going on there? Uh, But as far as his ability to really contribute, especially if he's the, you know, third receiver for the San Francisco 49ers, I think that makes your team just – better, more dangerous, and definitely bring something to the table that the 49ers currently just don't have at the receiver group. Who is that contested catch guy? Who's the guy that you can trust to catch the ball even when he's not open? I think they've tried to make Ayuk that guy, and I don't think he's done the greatest of job at doing it, and that just might not be his thing. That's definitely not Debo Samuel's thing, right? It's more kind of short, intermediate, run after catch. He's terrific at that. So Hawkins will bring something that nobody on this team 
brings, especially to the level that he's done it even last year in the games that he played. So um, clearly Kyle, and we've talked about how he identifies receivers. I think he looks at Hawkins and says that I don't prioritize contested catch guys in my office. I prioritize these are the way that these are the things you're going to do to fit in my office. And if you don't, then you might not get a call back from me, even if you want to play for us. Yep. I think it's as simple as that. You know, it's like, well, we're not going to go dollars wise. We're not going to go there. We already have our top players. So you're not going to want to come be the number three, most likely You're not going to be paid like a number three. And he's not really Kyle's type of guy. And so I think that's clear. Um, I want to get a little bit more into the injury report here, Croc and Ray Ray McLeod, one of those 49ers wide receivers with his wrist injury, uh, was getting in some limited practices. I thought he was going to be more of a clearly not playing early in the season guy, but you know, maybe there's an opportunity for him to sneak in here in the first couple of weeks of the season. He's been limited in practice with his wrist injury, running back Jordan Mason, foot injury limited in practice this week, George Kittle getting in some practices, but at least he's practicing now with his ongoing uh, problems with groin or adductor or whatever it is that, that George Kittle has going on. Um, there's a knee problem with Hufanga, and you said it might be off the field stuff as well. There's something else going on with him. Can you repeat that last part? Uh, Hufanga was was Hufanga the one you said that was uh, there was something else going on. It wasn't injury related. Family. family. He, he had a family. Uh, it's that personal thing going on. On the official injury report, it has a knee listed as his uh, reason for being limited this week. But he did how- have that going on. Yeah. Uh, I talked to my girl Desi, Coach Desi. And she explained exactly what that was, but I'd have to go back and listen to exactly how she said what that cyst is uh, that he's dealing with. Yeah, the Baker cyst, and it's like a buildup of fluid like behind the knee is what yeah. it is. And it's, I think it's a pain threshold thing. So I think that injury is one of those things where it bothers him and you're trying to get it better and calm it down so he's not practicing. But I think it's one of those things that he'll end up playing that's what it sounds like so we'll see what happens on sunday when we get the final injury report there uh tishon gibson uh he came up with a back injury this week been limited oren burks has been limited but he's at practice uh with a knee injury there there was an illness from john feliciano he was back fully practicing on thursday the the injury list is pretty big for week one because usually you're not any more healthy all year long than you are before the season starts george odom uh, back to being a full participant with his shoulder injury. Uh, Purdy, we know, is still on the injury list in the injury list, but uh, he's done unloading that or, or deloading or whatever it was, and he's full go. Uh, Trent Williams, full go, rested Wednesday. We know the Nick Bosa saga. He was limited for his very first practice of this season on Thursday, and he'll get one more walkthrough before week one for him. And then uh, Charvarius Ward popping up on the uh, injury list with a heel injury not practicing thursday so the dnps are the one you start to worry about um and that really the only one that's dnp right now is charvarius ward the expected to be out there uh and then hufanga has the, the knee thing he's been dealing with the baker's cyst but then another reason why he wasn't at practice at all on thursday so um most of the guys that are limited thursday are probably going to go i'm not sure about ray ray with his wrist but i would expect most of the rest of them to be there but it's a little worrisome now with charvarius works that shakes up things even more in the secondary and they've already sh- shaken things up here in the preseason i think charvarius ward that's a guy that last year you saw him kind of really get off to a hot start and i thought down the stretch start to get kind of a little more up and down i don't know if it was more so of how he was utilized or because he was dealing with injuries we saw him come back from the Atlanta game, 49ers ended up kind of getting blown out by the 
Kansas City Chiefs, and you saw guys getting behind him. The turn and run wasn't quite the same. I thought that kind of stretched out for the rest of the season. So, you know, it was cool to see him, you know, back. And I know he missed some time in the uh, training camp, but it's like, okay, he, he's back. He's full go. He's healthy. He's ready to go. Then you get this news that, you know, today he is kind of dealing with something that popped up in Wednesday's practice. So uh, I definitely will be keeping an eye on him, but I thought the injuries kind of affected the way he played down the stretch and he's starting the season off with injuries. So that's not as ideal. It's funny because all those names I mentioned are on the uh, 49ers injury list. The Steelers only have two, despite playing their starters more than anybody. There's two guys on there. One of them is a really important player. Cam Hayward did not practice on Thursday for those Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, next, Croc, it's time for the keys to victory, what the 49ers have to do to win at Pittsburgh in week one next. Today's episode brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun that you will have, and you can win up to 25 times your money this football season playing daily fantasy. You just select two or more players, pick more or less than their projected stats, whatever they might be, and Place your entry. For example, uh, 0.5 interceptions for Brock Purdy. You think Brock Purdy might go uh, throwing the ball to the other team in Pittsburgh? Oh, you think he's going to have a clean slate in the turnover category? You can pick that along with uh, any other number of more than, less than stats, projections at prize picks. And if you go up to five and get them all, you can get up to 25 times your money. Prize picks is really simple to play and you can make picks and, and submit your entries in less than 60 seconds for those entries. So it's super easy on the app. The app is easy to use. It's so fun to go through and find Saquon Barkley more or less than 60 yards, Patrick Mahomes, two passing touchdowns more or less. And without Travis Kelsey now officially, and that game's about to get going, right? We've got to get out of here and let you guys get to the kickoff of the 2023 season. Tons of, ways to play prize picks in every single game, not just 49ers games. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that is prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL, or you can use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 at prize picks. Here we go. Keys to victory. Croc. Um, my first key to victory is, Nick Bosa, welcome back to the team. You get to start. You're going to be in on the field on the first snap of the game, and you better wreak havoc when you're out there because I hope he doesn't play more than like 20 snaps. Do you have a number of snaps in your head you, you think is the right number? Because but like the 49ers defensive line rotates, and they want to keep guys fresh. So it's not like he's playing. Remember back in the day, um, DeForest Buckner played like 99% of the snaps or something crazy, right? Like Bosa is like a 70% snap guy and all the 49ers defensive line is under Kosarek. Like they want to keep him fresh and you're always getting off the ball, right? GTFO. And uh, so Bosa is, I think more like a 70% snap guy anyway. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a super high volume, high up tempo football game anyway. So it's not going to be like, he doesn't have to play 90 snaps or something like a, like a college football game, but you know, 40, 40 snaps, 45 snaps is a lot. And that's usually the amount more or less that he ends up playing. I don't think he should see that level. And I don't think he needs to play that level of snaps just to have an impact on this football game, coming back and having one limited practice, one walkthrough uh, and eating a whole bunch of uh, eggs and protein and, and vegetables over the last few months while he worked out with dad. 
I wouldn't mind if he just played any meaningful, obvious passing situation. Now, the tough thing is, and we'll you know continue to talk about keys to victory, but the run game in the preseason was poor, and I think a lot of it had to do with just not having Nick Bosa out there. It's very impactful in the run game and you know having to you know put more bodies to him because when you don't, he's going to get to the running back. Like That's going to be a tackle for a loss or a tackle at the line of scrimmage. But when you start to put more bodies at him, now that kind of allows Hargraves and Armstead to do their thing, and that helps keep the linebackers free and, and clean. And that's ideally what you want. So uh, that's the part where I'm curious to see how do they kind of utilize him in the run game and passing game. But if I had to choose between the two, just on third down or second and long, go ahead and rush that passer. Yeah, just have him out there for the most important snaps of the game, I think is important. Um, it it's probably it probably makes more sense to have him out there for like a drive and then take a drive off, right? Or do you think it's like, okay, let's get him out there on first down, have him run off the field on second down, and then if you get back to third down again, you come, have him run back down, run back onto the field and rest of the passer. I don't know. I like the every other drive until the end of the game. Like once it's, it's fourth quarter, it's kind of like, all right, you, you have to play. And we'll still rotate you in and out on certain plays, but you're going to have to actually play in the fourth quarter. All right, keys to victory, Croc. What do you got? Adam in the chat says no turnovers. That's always one, and we've kind of stopped using that because it's like, yeah, don't get hurt and don't turn the ball over. Those are pretty obvious unless there's a certain reason why there might be more turnovers than normal. Um, in, in most football games, who the team that wins the turnover battle wins the football game in a lot of cases, and that's something they preach in Pittsburgh for sure. Um, what do you got for a, for a key to victory in this game for the 49ers? I just kind of alluded to it, but really, I, I think it starts with just stopping the run. You know, make Pittsburgh one-dimensional. That is a team that, you know, traditionally they do like to run the ball a lot, ground and pound. They have a big offensive line that likes to move bodies around there. So stop the run and make Kenny Pickett have to beat you, right? And he's still young and youthful in his time with the 49ers. I bet that uh, Steelers' philosophy is probably similar to the 49ers, where it's like, hey, stop the run, make Brock Purdy have to, you know, make a bunch of throws. And, you know, I do see in the chat someone talking about Patrick Peterson, and he did, he said he saw a tail in the offense, and he'll get an interception uh, because he understands there's something the 49ers do. He'll talk about it after his interception. But uh, I think for the 49ers, it starts with just stopping the run and trying to make the Steelers one-dimensional because I don't think that Pickett is a quarterback that's just going to be this drop-back quarterback that's going to dice up your defense all game. Yeah, I think it's going to be a play-action passing game for Kenny Pickett, and we saw it last year, and it's going to continue this year. They're going to want to run the ball. Uh, they got a two-headed monster now. They really like J- Jalen Warren, the backup running back, who's going to get a little bit bigger piece of the pie. And, and as far as I think that I, – I, th- I don't think I have this stat wrong. I'm pretty sure nobody touched the ball more in the entire NFL than Najee Harris last year. Like, he was wow. everything on offense, and they're trying to develop a young quarterback, trying to run the football a lot. He was an every-down guy. Uh, you know, he wasn't hurt a lot or anything like that. So he was just out there a lot, and he was only getting, like, three and a half yards per carry. So I think they're going to lessen his workload this year, but that doesn't mean they're going to run the ball less. And they're going to try to run the ball a lot, short manageable distances on third downs, and then play action passing. And and we're going to see uh, Pickett, who, you know, I don't know, aesthetically it looks weird with his two gloves on, but he throws a pretty good deep ball. So he's going to, he's going to, uh, he's going to throw some, some deep passes. And we talked about it yesterday on the, um, on the crossover with Chris. I think the 49ers are going to attack the middle of the field and attack those linebackers and make the DBs tackle. Right. And I think the Steelers are going to try to run the ball, 
and go play action passing and try to make some big plays in the in the passing game with George Pickens over the top. So yeah, stopping the run is the first part of making that difficult for him. Then you bring Nick Bosa in on third down and go get after him and don't give Pickett time to go find George Pickens, who um, who might be able to go up and get some balls over the 49ers DBs, especially if Traverius Ward suddenly is not playing for the Niners. And I think my next key is probably Debo Samuel, like getting him going early. I just feel like the more opportunities he gets, the more you get the ball in his hands, the more likely he is to just rip off explosive plays, like just 20-plus yard plays because of how dynamic he is with the ball in his hands. So I know there's going to be a lot of emphasis on Christian McCaffrey and everything that he brings, and deservedly so. But if you want to make things easier for your offense and for your young quarterback, get the ball in Debo's hands around the line of scrimmage and then let him do his work that he does. So apparently, I don't know if this is true. Did you hear this, Croc? Patrick Peterson said he's going to get a pick against the 49ers and that the tell is Purdy relying too much on dumping it to Christian McCaffrey. No, he said that he would tell the tale after he picks the ball off. So post-game, he'll say, hey, this is what I knew oh, we oh, were going to get and what we were going to see. But oh, he's so not telling anybody. He said that, there, that, he has a, that he sees a tell with the 49ers offense? Yeah, and he said he'll talk about it after he gets his interception. Okay. I did not hear him say that. That's an interesting one. So here we go. Keys to victory. Don't throw an interception to Patrick Peterson. (laughs) So maybe turnovers is the key to victory now. I mean, and it always is. And look, Brock Purdy, and we've talked about it on the show. Like, I still don't know. I think, you know, the way the season ended for Brock Purdy, the way the season ended for – for Kenny Pickett too, right? These are two young quarterbacks that both of their franchises feel like they're about to, you know, break out and be like this, this franchise quarterback for their team. We got to see it a little bit more. There's a lot more pub around Brock Purdy and we didn't see any of the early season struggles like we saw with Pickett. But after those couple of games where Pickett had three interceptions in two different games, he had like one or two interceptions the rest of the year. He won his last five starts, you know, much like Purdy did, but it just didn't start as well for him. Um, and so I can't wait to see what these guys look like in their first year starting from from week one. That's going to be a huge win. And, and Purdy did get – Purdy got away with some weird stuff. As good as the numbers looked, as much as the the final tally and the scores looked, some of the stuff where he would, like, bail early from the pocket and look frenetic and would be able to get the ball – out of his hands and either find a receiver or throw the ball away. And it was like, whoo, but during the play, you're like, what's going on? This looks like he's, he's going, but then he like, he figured it out. Right. Uh, and he made some throws that he got a little bit lucky. And I think his, he threw more turnover worthy throws than he gave up the football and got turnovers in return. Right. So a little bit of good luck there for Brock Purdy. That's one of the things that I think is pretty huge for Brock Purdy this season is some of those turnover worthy throws and some of the weird stuff he did. Can he calm some of that down? And I think he, there's, Everything else went so well for the 49ers and everyone was healthy, all the playmakers at his disposal. I think there's a potential that he's actually better and plays better quarterback and a little more under control. And the numbers are actually still might not be as good as they were last year. There was a play late in the Seahawks game. I think it was at the tail end of the third quarter. He threw the ball uh, down the field to Juwan Jennings, right? And this will never go and be tallied as a uh, turnover worthy throw because it was completed, you know, and didn't even touch a defender's hands. But the safety for the Seahawks, instead of going for the ball, he just kind of went to where uh, he thought the ball was supposed to go, and he was kind of headed in that direction. And the ball really drifted really far inside. 
and would have likely been intercepted if the, the safety would have just identified it. Those are the things that I would worry about with Brock throwing the ball downfield, something like that. And you got Minka Fitzpatrick there instead of whoever it was for the Seattle Seahawks, right? So, um, you know, just kind of things, if you're talking about turnover-worthy throws, but kind of getting lucky a little bit, I, I don't know if it's luck. And obviously we just want him to continue to improve on uh, not putting the ball in harm's way. But there were some things where now we get a chance to just see, hey, you know, do you continue to do those same things or make those type of throws? Is that just you? Or uh, do you improve on that? And make it more and more difficult to put the ball in harm's way. Kind of like a, you know, a guy he's kind of be, being somewhat compared to by a teammate, but like Drew Brees, who, you know, hardly puts the ball in, in harm's way. And we're talking about Saints Drew Brees. We're not even talking about Chargers, you know, Drew Brees. But those are the things that I would like to see him improve on. And this is going to be the first test and a really good test at that. Uh, here's a good one from Basil, and it's it's one of the most obvious keys to victory is uh, you know the the one on one matchup that we talked about a lot this week with T.J. Watt versus new starting right tackle for the 49ers, Colton McKivitz. And and Basil says key to victory protect Brock because that pit pass rush are going to come hard at him, and our O line uh, has its own question marks. And um, I don't think anybody's worried about. Trent Williams. I know he hasn't practiced a lot, but you know, and look, he, he might not throw a perfect game, but he's going to be Trent and he's going to win the total battle against Alex Highsmith, who usually rushes from the right side of the Steelers defense. And TJ Watt usually rushes from the left side of the Steelers defense. So TJ Watt's going to see a lot of uh, Colton McKivitz. And that's a huge battle for the 49ers. If you told me right now, Colton McKivitz shuts out TJ Watt, like not perfect or anything, but shuts him out in the sack department, right? or just does a really good job against TJ Watt, I'd say, let's go chop it up. It's a W, 49ers uh, get out of Pittsburgh with a W. That's that's a huge matchup in this one, and it's something that's uh, you know that we have to bring up is, yeah, get TJ Watt, get the Steelers blocked up, and allow Brock Purdy to not play under pressure. And even though he's you know done pretty well under pressure and in his short amount of time, most quarterbacks are not as good under pressure, so let's just not try that. Yeah, the biggest thing is you know keeping their quarterbacks – uh, internal clock low, right? You don't want it to feel like it's starting to run out quick or you start kind of feeling that pressure from a certain side. And if McKivitz is getting beat all night, then the first thing you do is try to uh, overcompensate for that. And indeed, you start to kind of maybe throw passes before you want to, and that's when you see some of the errant passes and things like that. And I wonder if the Steelers, you know, especially with Patrick Peterson saying, hey, there's a tell, you know, if we do this, we expect him to do this, and then that's when I'm going to get my interception. Uh, you know, I would worry about something like like that. So I think it starts with McKivitz with kind of taking the pressure off of him. And I say it starts with McKivitz, but maybe it just starts with getting the run game going so that now you take more pressure off of him. Keep the 49ers in those short-to-go uh, distances, which we right. saw a lot in the preseason with Brett Purdy at quarterback. Continue to do that, and I think that makes it a lot easier for everyone on the offensive line, not just McKivitz. And actually, uh, my last one, I kind of want to add to what you said about uh, Debo Samuel because I love that one. Uh, and, and I don't want it to. I don't want it to go. Okay, run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. And I, I want to see the ball out on early downs, but short. You know, I want to see the ball thrown to the running backs. I want to see the ball thrown out to Debo Samuel on first downs early. Let's get chunk yardage. Let's get those. Um, Let's get those, you know, extended run plays without just handing the ball off and being predictable and get Purdy in that rhythm with quick passes so he's not sitting back in the pocket with, you know, big drops and 
and allowing someone like TJ Watt to, to get his rhythm on the other side of the ball. So yeah, uh, I think this is a huge Debo game and seeing how motivated Debo was this off season, seeing him in the preseason, seeing just those, those, those few drives were, where the ones were out there. It got me excited for Debo this year. I think he's gonna have a huge season and I like, I want to see it. I want to see him get the ball on the first play of the game. Uh, we got to have at you in the chat right now. And he says, didn't someone say Trent has a tail too? It doesn't matter. Just smash them. And that is true. I think, but everyone has tails. Yeah. So it's just a lot of the plays that you see made by defenders are typically because there's some kind of tip or tail on that specific play. Now, in the case of Trent Williams, it was slightly different because it was kind of a run past tail, but it has, it doesn't tell you what they're doing or how they're doing it. Um, but it could potentially let you know that, Hey, it might be a run or it might be a pass. Depending on a team down the distance, where they're lining up, the personnel that they have in there, you can have tails off of that and different things they like to do, and then they can tip something off to where you know the concepts. And that's different than the tail that Trent Williams was giving. So uh, just to kind of clear out. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because everyone has tails. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they're going to have tails. The Niners, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Lions are about to play. They have tails. It's on you to execute and stop it when it happens. But again, more times than not, when you see just everything covered up, that opposing team probably knew what was coming and uh, they executed whatever it was that they game plan for uh, during the week. And Patrick Peterson would be doing the 49ers a huge favor if he does get an interception and tells them what the tell is after the game because then they right. can fix it, right? It's much better than him going uh, calling up his buddy who's a DB for – the Cardinals or the Seahawks or, you know, the Cowboys, the Giants. And Hey, uh, I got this tell for you over here. You know, that would be much worse for the 49ers if there actually is a tell and something that he's keying on or, uh, or holding on, holding on to it in case the 49ers face the Steelers in Super Bowl 58. Right. Cause I think there's a good chance the 49ers could be there. I know I got some grief for some of the, uh, the predictions, the outlandish predictions we were making earlier on in the week that we were having a lot of fun with, uh, but we got to go because the season is kicking off. The 2023 season is here. I want to let everyone in the live chat, get to the Thursday night kickoff game lions and chiefs. That's about to get going and shout out to all the everydayers that are going to be listening to this podcast in the morning on Friday. The season is here. 49ers Steelers Sunday and of course Croc and I are going to break it all down right here as we do every day locked on 49ers